Friday when they're not playing the Tampa Bay Rays. It's already looking up. It's Blair and Barker just ahead of the weekend. Like Jay- positive. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> it's positive Friday. Jays and Minnesota Twins open a three-game series tonight in Minnesota. Jays are 26 and 25. The Twins are 26 and 24. Just before we came on the air, the Blue Jays placed Danny Jansen on the 10-day IL uh, with the left groin strain. He came out of, it was Wednesday night's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. With that injury, Tyler Heineman has been recalled from AAA Buffalo. He was actually in the taxi squad, and uh, he will be active for tonight's game. Um, he is a veteran catcher who is considered to be pretty good defensively. Yep. And pretty good defensively. That's probably <laughs> the eight. Probably the best way to put it. Um, That's all they need. And he right? may not be the worst eighth place hitter they've had this year. Uh, the Jays lineup. The Jays lineup is out. It is George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Jr. Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, Whit Merrifield, Dalton Varsho, Alejandro Kirk, who is now the everyday catcher, one would suppose, and Kevin Kiermeyer. So let's start talking. This is Kevin Gossman against Louis Varlin, by the way, tonight. And uh, first pitch is, uh, was it 8.07, 8.10? 8.10. I mean, let me just start at 8, say 8 o'clock. Anyhow, it's at 8.10. So let's talk about the Danny Jansen news. This comes... Kevin, after Alejandro Kirk uh, did not enjoy a great day behind the plate with Alec Manoa uh, on the mound. Um, I mentioned Tyler Heineman is a guy who is a decent defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. He's got some major league service time as a defensive catcher. But no Danny Jansen, considering how much we've talked about Danny Jansen's impact on Barrios, who starts Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. We've talked about his impact on, well, the impact he had on Alec Manoa, the one start he had with Alec Manoa, how good the pace was and everything. Um, now, Alejandro Kirk is going to be the guy. Your level of concern at this point with the catching Yeah, it's not. Situation. It's not. I lo- this is why John Snyder didn't want to have one certain catcher for for an individual pitcher. This is the reason why you get you you get a guy hurt. You have to basically fill in. They they've made enough starts now. They know what to do. They they know where to set up. They know where if they start a pitch here, it'll end up there. They don't need a catcher telling them that. That thing's overrated. I mean, there's certain pitchers who are Hall of Famers that like certain guys that they're sort of married to. Yeah, Hall of Famers on this team. No, Kevin Gosman don't really need that. He's got two pitches. He knows where he wants to throw. Chris Bassett throws his own game. That's basically why John has allowed both catchers to catch sort of everybody is this reason right here. I don't think it's a big deal. Alejandro Kirk starts hitting. Will you pay any attention to his catching? Probably not. The only person you'll be paying attention to is Alec Manoa. And then it'll be everybody else. And everybody else will be fine. They want Kirky to hit. Kirky hits. Everything will fall into place. See, he hit eighth. It's embarrassing. After last year, he's hitting clean up for a lot of the year. He needs to get it going. I mean, he got three hits yesterday. It's time. Like they they need a lot of dudes to start getting it going. Like this is you look you look at it with 111 games left. You only got 26 wins. You won eight games in May. 
You want to win by after some of the teams in the American League East, you had the Rangers to the mix. You're going to have to win somewhere around 95 games. That's 69 and 42. You better get it going. That's 27 games over 500, the next 111. If you want to try try and win 95 games, which it'll take somewhere around that. It may not be 95, could be 93, could be 94, could be 95, but you get the point. Well, we're already, let's, yeah. let, let's be clear, we're already talking about not winning the division. Not winning the no, division. No, no, that's over. That's, that's, that, that's, that ain't happening. That's left. Um, yeah. We'll be joined, by the way, by John Schneider, manager of the Blue Jays at 630. Let's see if he agrees with us on that. Uh, Dan Hayes, Twins reporter with The Athletic, will be along at 6 o'clock as well. We'll take a deeper dive into the Twins. We are going to be seeing the Twins over the next three days. The matchups, as I mentioned, Kevin Gossman against Louis Varlin, Chris Bassett against Pablo Lopez, Jose Barrios against Bailey Ober. So we know that the Jays had a players meeting yesterday. Still don't know whether it was necessarily a players-only meeting, but there there was the players called it, mm-hmm. I guess would be the way to put it. I'm so, told it was. It was a players-only meeting? Uh, okay. Basically, the coaches had their ear to the door. That's what I was told. They had the cup. The, they had their... The glass to the door. Do you hear it? I, didn't, I don't hear anything. What do you hear? Wait. Shh. <laughs> have they mentioned my name yet? <laughs> yeah. Don't mention my name. No, yeah. <laughs> have they mentioned my name yet? Don't mention my name. Anyhow. <laughs> Shh. Try so, okay, they've had the meeting. Uh, new series, you know, they jump on the plane, they fly to Minnesota, new series, a fresh start, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, we, I've asked you a lot about what it's like to be in those meetings. Yeah. And as I suspected you, I mean, your answer is it's usually <laughs> eyewash, you know, unless there's a disciplinary thing, right? Unless somebody's, unless it's a serious disciplinary thing, the rest of the time is, you know, you stink, you stink, you stink. Okay, tomorrow I'll try to hit the curveball. Attaboy. Okay, away we go. What's the day after a meeting like? Now you got, I mentioned, you got the, the new series, you got a hitters, you got a hitters meeting. You're a game over 500. Didn't, doesn't change. Didn't change when you yelled at me because I stink and I'm the reason why, why we're only a game above 500. Now it's real. I showed up, I'm on the plane, I got happy. I probably drank a little bit. Make the woes go away. Just got yelled at by 25 of the guys. Like, that's this is basically what happened, right? You're in there pointing the finger at people. I, it's it's not a lot of coming together. Like, I know everybody wants to hear that. And you, you get in the middle of the room and you jump up and down and, you know, you, you yell and scream at the people you need to yell and scream at. Baseball doesn't work that way, right? It's, it's not like these dudes are not trying. It's just for whatever reason, Manoa's... Command is not there. Boat pitches. Now it's the fastball command, right? It was the slider for a long time. Slider was good yesterday. Now it's the the fastball command. He's trying too hard. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. swinging at pitches with runners on base. He probably shouldn't be swinging at early in counts. Like there's a lot of different things that I'm not sure that getting together with your buddies in a closed door meeting is going to change. Now it's just about you buying in, you going home and looking yourself in the mirror and going, how can I help? How can I change things to make me better? Which if I'm better, my team will be better. The good news is you're, if you are the Blue Jays, you're missing Sonny Gray, you're missing Joe Ryan. Well, that's my uh, Joe Ryan is kind of a dark horse uh, young candidate. He's emerged He's right. emerged in, 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 into that into that particular category. So that is that is certainly a help, uh, help for a team that we talked about this yesterday. I... Listen, Manoa is an easy target, but the issue with this team is run scoring. The issue with this team is is the lineup, and I know there's, you know, it it's it's strange if you compare the numbers this year to last year, they're not completely dissimilar. But 
it's magnified by the fact that the, that the division is so much stronger. It's magnified by the fact that you don't have the opportunities to make up ground head-to-head against other teams. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of silly comparing stats from last year to this year. Because the division, the, the the division is so different, and and the schedule is so different. Absolutely, because, because of the fewer games. The Orioles are a really good team, which I don't think anybody thought were, that was coming into the season. Not, not this like good. this. No, not you, this. Good. You thought not they, were, this they would be competitive, and they may take yeah. a little step forward. I mean, they're they're one of the best teams in baseball. Well, I mean, you can't say any the other way. I like, thought they, they be, I thought they'd be better than Boston, but I thought that would be good enough for fourth place. <laughs> right? You know, I didn't you think being better that. than Boston would be good enough. Could say would be that. good enough for second place. Um, and speaking, and, uh, you know, speaking of the AL East, it should just be mentioned by the way that Tyler Glasnow will be pitching tomorrow for the Rays against, yeah. against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. So the, the Rays are getting, uh, are getting, are getting Tyler Glasnow back. So I talked about this. You've had your meeting, you talked about, you know, you're in the clubhouse. It's a new start, uh, new opportunity. Um, do you think we are at the point where the coaching staff becomes a point of focus for people? I think it's already there. I think I, I, it's not there for me because it's very hard for me because, again, now we're both, I, I, I've been in a bunch of clubhouses. It, it's normally, for the most part, it's not the coaches. No, I, and I, it's, I, it's, yeah, it's I always the, remember. It's, it's the not, players. It's not the coaches. No, the, the, the hitting coach is not the offensive coordinator. He is not. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just not the offensive coordinator. People have people have really overstated and misunderstood the role of the hitting coach throughout. Uh, throughout Walk me time. off the plank and flip me soft toss. But, That's basically why you're there. But I will say this: I think we're we're at the point with this team where, um, unless it turns around this weekend, they come home to face Milwaukee. We're almost at the air quotes. Something has to be done point with this team now we also know that this team i mean this is a process driven team this team does not do anything on the spur of the moment this team likes to have a lot of voices having input into any decision that's made uh, so that we'll, we'll throw that out there but i i think you just kind of get the sense you're almost at that point with this team I, will it change anything i don't think i don't think that ever changes anything does it shake things up i don't think it necessarily shakes things up um, but you do get the sense just from kind of poking around through the ashes of this, of this, this John's an easy target road trip for in sure. Particular. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think the manager's not manager's not going to be, I, I, yeah, for me, he's not, I, but he's an easy target. Yeah. I can't imagine what, I mean, John's, John's been manager for less than a year and he took your team to the playoffs in his first half year. I, you know, did he is he the reason Vladdy Jr. hasn't been driving runs in, can't hit at home? Is he the I, reason why Manoa's not so. pitching well? Is he the reason why Kirky doesn't have urgency throwing the ball to first? Is he the reason why Kevin Biggio can't well, turn a double play clean? Maybe the Kevin Biggio <laughs> thing because he's on the team. Right. I'd give you that. That's that's the way you want to go. Is he the reason why Jimmy Garcia throws five pitches and not three pitches? I I mean, Jimmy Garcia is a grown man. He's been around a long time. You'd think the adjustments would have been made already. I, I'm sure because we've had conversations with people. I, I'm, the topic has been brought up. Like they're they're. I think now what this has done because 
you know, it's gotten out that they did have a, a players only meeting is now there's a little urgency here. Like there, there is, forget about who you want to point the finger at. You can point the finger at anybody you want to point the finger at. They're not getting it done. I, I will say this, the adjustment on the elevated fastball, that for me is the difference. And but here's will, the thing. I, I, that that for me, you can you can name a guy in the lineup that don't like the the elevated fastball. That's one of the things you saw the Yankees starting to do that a little bit. You, you're starting to see a lot of teams attack a lot of these guys when it matters with the elevated fastball. That's the one adjustment. If they can start because they do have tons of talent, Vladdy, forget about Vladdy. Vladdy's a chaser. Vladdy thinks he can hit everything. He can't. That's that's his issue, and maybe it's adjusting game plans before he walks to the play. I'm sure there's overload of information because everybody struggles. What do you want to do, Jeff? You want to get more, more information. You're struggling. It's got to be there. It's got to be a reason for that. You know, you got 15 khakis instead of 10 now, right? This is oh boy, you got to you got to hit it from every little direction instead of just simplifying that thing and saying what do you do well. Well, most of the time I don't like the ball in, and I really don't like the ball in off the plate. Let's start there. If I cannot swing at that, I can force them away from me or down the middle. You got to see what I do to baseballs. Destroy them. Is this team full of too many similar hitters? You could argue this that. This lineup? You could argue that. We, we go <clears throat> From now on, This that's one of the things we're going to do our show after the game. We, we won't do that tonight. But we're, when we do it, that's one of the topics of conversation will be the elevated fastball. Big moments, you'll see a good pitcher. You know, they may not start there because they don't want to show it all the time, but when they need a big pitch to a lot of good hitters, they normally elevate the fastball. And it's, can this team lay off it? Most of them, this part of the season, this part of their career, it's very hard to teach yourself how to. You are what you are by this stage. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys, Dalton Varsho is one of them because his lower half, he's learning who he is as a hitter, what he can, you know, look for early in counts, what he's trying to do to baseballs. He's a pull hitter. Pull hitters are, you know, you can get them out elevated away facts i mean it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that that for me is one of the changes here i've said it 69 and 42 they got any chance of winning 69 games it's the elevated fastball i'm going to say it right now obvious it's the obvious other things like you know the manager taking the starting pitcher out at the right time he hands the ball to whoever he hands it to the three big guys in the bullpen be the three big guys in the bullpen and in the starting rotation, sort of at least gives them a chance, if not all the time. Those are the obvious things. But for me, it's the elevated fastball. What can they do with it? Yeah, and, and that, and you know, we know from we know from talking to people at the field that that they are aware that that is no that is an issue mm-hmm. with this with this team. That's an issue with this lineup. And I've talked often about. And I don't always like to bring up the Atlanta Braves and the World Series title. But I've talked often about how that lineup was put together uh, with the idea that you would have different hitters with different strengths. And by, yes, that also means different weaknesses. But if you do that, it forces the other team. It, they need to waste energy game planning for you. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't get the impression there's a crap ton of game planning going in to face the Blue Jays right now. Yeah, because, well, there's obvious reasons why that is. Dalton Varsho is not a threat. Like I, it's not like a manager sitting over there going, oh, boy, you better make sure you get out everybody else around him or before him. And so you have to be real careful to him, right? You want to make sure you don't make a mistake against him. Hey, you elevate the hater, you back foot a slider. All right. Now that's basically where you're trying to go. And he's gotten better. You give him credit for that. It should have been hitting him seventh the whole season. 
Like, I, I truly do think you would have seen already a different Dalton Varshow if they hadn't started the season, him hitting cleanup. That's a different story. Okay, and that also, that's partly, that's got to be the majority manager's call. Like, if John didn't feel comfortable doing that, you would think that could he would argue. have the power. You could argue. To, I, I think I think they, they strongly su- suggest who to put where, but the last call the best I understand is yes, the manager. Well, uh, Kevin Gossman, I, we mentioned this yesterday. Gossman, Bassett, the two guys you want going. If you're the Blue Jays, they they do. There's sort of that sense of of calmness well, surrounding both of them. Uh, Chris Bassett and Chris Bassett in particular, Jeff. I, I know I've said this before, and I think it was one of Kevin Gosman's starts, that that was the biggest start of the year. Yeah. I take that back. You think this is the biggest After start. that team meeting or that players-only meeting, and you, it's sort of funny how they planned it out that way, right? You have it when you're going on the road the first game. You're not playing the American League East, and you got your best pitcher throwing. It's kind of funny how that works out, ain't it? Sort of almost like they'd planned it. Eh, this is... This is a big deal. Like, you need that seven, eight inning of one-run ball, and they win like four, five, six to one. Like, you need – I mean, Minnesota has half their team missing. Like, mm. and, and you mentioned it, the two best pitchers not even throwing the series. Like, the, this is – if you're going to make up some ground and you're going to get some confidence, I'm not saying the Twinkies not a good team because they are, and they're still facing some good pitchers who are some big boys who are dropping it into the catcher's glove – you know, where that 91 will look 95, 96. So you're going to have to zone up and have some quality at bats. But you got your guys lined up. You got your lineup. You've had conversations out loud now. Well, and it's funny because the the Twins, <clears throat> and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Dan Hayes of The Athletic about this, but the Twins in some ways are a little bit like the Jays offensively. If you If you believe in projections, you know, the fan graphs projections or any of the, the projections uh, you see for teams preseason. If you look at the Twins projections, you know, they've got 15 players with at least 50 plate appearances. 11 of those have fallen short of their projections, some of them by really, you know, really wide, really wide margins. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we could say those projections are, they're just that projections. But it does, I think, get to... Uh, you know, get to get to uh, issues with these with these two teams. Now, the, the difference is, of course, the Twins are in a bad division. They're twenty six and twenty four, and they're leading. They're leading their division. The Jays are twenty six and twenty five, one game worse, and they're in last place. But it by does ten and a half games. Yeah, by ten and a half games. I don't even bother looking at that. You shouldn't that anymore. part now. You shouldn't, I shouldn't bother looking at no. that part now. What are they Impressive. out of the wild card? I think they're three. I haven't noticed. I think the three I can't get past the ten and a half. It yeah. stops me for some reason. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> that, that's completely understandable. But you know, put me in the mind of a look. These guys are these guys are smart enough. Vladdy knows that he's you know he's his numbers are okay, but he's not doing the things Vladdy needs to do for this team to win, especially mm-hmm. without Teoscar around. You know, yeah. he needs he's not driving in runs. He hasn't done his share of that. Uh, you know Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman had the great month. He knows that he's that he's under two hundred. That he's hitting under two hundred this month. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Alejandro Kirk, who you know did 
I mean, at least he put the ball put the ball in play yesterday. But I mean, Alejandro Kirk hasn't had hasn't necessarily risen to Not that level. Close. Got two homers. How, how do if players know this? How do you go about blocking out all that noise? I don't think you do. I mean, I'd like to come on here and say that they're mentally strong enough to be able to do that. Expectations too high. They play in the American League East. Every time you turn a TV on, it talks about baseball. Who are they talking about? They're talking about the AL East, generally. The Blue, and the Blue Jays. Yeah. How, how big of a disappointment they are to start the season. It's the topic. Everybody, you turn it on the radio, MLB Network Radio. It's the first time you, that's the first thing you hear is the Toronto Blue Jays. You turn it on MLB Central at 9 o'clock. The first thing they talk about is the Blue Jays mm. and Alec Manoa. I don't think you can. And we're going to find out what kind of team this is mentally. Like, just to say that there is pressure now from the first inning till the ninth inning for these for these guys to have better at bats, for these guys to catch the ground balls when they're supposed to, for these guys to go the extra base when they're supposed to, for these guys to hold runners at first from stealing bases. I mean, it's like Little League. It 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 really. I mean, it's mainly one guy. Alec Manoa's given up twelve stolen bases this year with the five that he gave up last night. But you know what? It's Kevin, a it's a they, it's little league. That's been for years. The Jays haven't been great at it. For years, the focus has always been on throwing strikes, dealing with dealing with the man at the plate, or dealing with the guy at the plate. The difference now is the running game. The running game is back, and it's not just bigger bases. It's, you know, I think back to conversation, and I think it was with Jason Stark earlier in the year, and 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 we we're talking about the pitch timer. And one of the things Jason said is, you know, everybody's focused on the pitch timer as it relates to pitching because it is a pitch timer. But if used the right way by runners, you, you know. If you're, if I know you're throwing with two seconds left and I'm on first base, mm-hmm. I got my lead. Two seconds left, I'm taking off because I know you're throwing. Yep. And I'm a little surprised that it's been that much of an issue for this team because we all said going into the season that base running was going to be a big part of the game again. To what degree, I don't know if we knew, but it stood to reason that with bigger bases and the pitch timer and limits on disengagements and the number of times you can throw over, it just stood to reason that that that, that was going to be a, a bigger aspect of the game. And it, it puzzles me that this team would have this much this much trouble with it. And you're right, it is Alec Manoa mainly, but it's not a strength of this team in general. It's not. Well, again, it gets back to the the attention part of it. It's whenever you have seven stolen bases against you and six of yeah. those score. <laughs> okay, it's one thing to have seven stolen bases against you. It's another thing for six of those to score. Yeah. That would that that just does something. By saying that out loud, your pitchers, your pitching coach, your manager, whoever is running that behind the scenes, because you know somebody is. I mean, Some, the- somebody's given information somewhere with that. It's now there's a lot more attention to that because they're losing baseball games because of it. Yeah, the good thing that's is that's one of the reasons why they're losing baseball games. The good thing is the thing is the Twins aren't likely to turn tonight into a track meet. Well, but we do know that we had their GM on uh, Thad Levine, and he said that one of their points of emphasis this year. Yeah, they're 27th in baseball and stolen bases, but one of their points of emphasis this year was taking was taking the extra base was 
using their athleticism to put pressure on teams in play. In other words, taking the extra base while the ball is in play, forcing the other team to make decisions. And um, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, if I'm the Minnesota Twins, even if my base running game isn't all that great, I, try I, I might try it tonight. No question. I might air it out tonight. Mm-hmm. Why not? For, for, force Kirky to throw you out. Yeah. What have I got to lose? Nothing. I have my I have my team's not there because injury. Why? Why? Why would I? Why would you not try that? It, it is. It, it will be interesting. I ask you. When's the last time you seen a Blue Jays play a clean baseball game where just oh, every, they, um, everything just looked like it was supposed to look? Turn the double play when you were supposed to. Throw the ball to first on a strikeout when you were supposed to. I mean, to. I do. I throw the throw the right pitch when you were supposed to and get a guy out. When's the last time you I seen do that? remember game earlier this year? I don't remember the game, but I remember but we were we were all, we were all talking about how crisp the game was on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and how well they played. It's been a while. It has. I I just. Yeah, and the Manoa game yesterday, like it, it just it, it kind of came undone in the first inning, and just you know, just sort of just it was the pace of him from there, sort of what it was. It right? is, yeah, yeah the pace was. and balls in play, and it was, it's a bad, it's a bad combination. It is. Yeah. If you're working slowly and striking out the side every time, eh. But if you're working slowly and the balls in play and stuff's happening and there's men on base and you know they're stealing on you and you got double, I mean, there's. If, if you're a, if you're a Jays infielder yesterday, you just you were on the move the whole game because there was always something happening. There really wasn't that. There wasn't that inning where you could just kind of, okay, this is sort of the way baseball is is supposed to be. I mean, let's see see if it happens tonight. We do know that there will be a ton of uh, of Jays fans, a ton of Canadians making the trip south. Uh, to Minneapolis. It is a long weekend. There'll be a lot of folks from Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta going down there. And I don't know, maybe you're one of them. And if you want, uh, we're going to go to the back leg line in a few minutes. The number is 416-413-3959. If you're heading out to the game in Minnesota, if you're listening to us, uh, you know, on, on if you're listening to us in the car, by podcast, whatever, however you're doing it, online, however you're listening to us, uh, give us a call. The uh, back leg line is 416 413 Three nine five nine. We'll get to it. Dan Hayes, Twins reporter with the Athletic, will join us as well. And John Schneider, the manager of your Blue Jays, he had some interesting stuff to say earlier today. You're going to want to hang around for this. John Schneider will join us later. It's Blair and Barker for a Friday on Sportsnet five ninety. The Fan, and Sportsnet three sixty. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just a few hours away from first pitch. Jays and the Minnesota Twins tonight, the first of three games on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan. Shout out to those of you who are watching us on the uh, Sportsnet channels in addition to Sportsnet 360 today. And of course, if you're listening on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, we mentioned just before we came on, Danny Jansen, 
has been placed in the 10-day IL, retroactive to May 25th with a left groin strain. Tyler Heineman has been recalled from AAA Buffalo. He will be active for tonight's game. Uh, Alejandro Kirk will be behind the plate. Will be behind the plate tonight with Kevin Gossman on the mound against Louis Varland. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is uh, it's what we call the back leg line. It's your chance to leave questions for Kevin Barker to leave comments for both of us. And uh, my guess is, considering the fact the Jays are coming off a spell where they've lost what do we say eleven of twelve. I can't even remember what it is. 11 of 12 to, to AL least teams. Or, they're 2 and 9 in the last 11. 2 and 9 in their last 11. Uh, and are in last place in the American League East. Not that the standings matter. They do if you're in last. I keep saying that. It's May 26th. I'm actually, it's at the point now where they're starting to matter. <laughs> it does. It's at the point where they're <laughs> what starting What if they lose tonight? Does it matter? Depends what the other teams do. <laughs> See, this is, now you're going to roll your eyes, but I mean, this is where we are. Because you don't play the Rays and the Yankees again until September. So good luck having to make up a five or six game yeah. deficit to one of those teams to get in the playoffs in September. I think um, I think you're trying to get to 95 wins. However stop, you can, stop, by, stop, hooker, stop, by hook stop, or by crook. Stop worrying about what yeah. the other teams are doing. Oh, that's entirely. You, you put be. yourself in such a big hole now. doesn't matter about yeah. that. It matters how do you get to 95. Yeah. Can you get to 95? That's the thing. 69 wins a lot, Jeff. 416-413-3959, the back leg line. Brett in Florida left us a lovely voice note. Brett. Is the simplest explanation for Manoa's struggles not just the fact that he's most likely out of shape? If you look at his body this year compared to two years ago, it's it's pretty different. He's a lot bigger this year. And then you add in the workload from last year, the highest he's had in his career. I know Anthony Record, Anthony Recker, called him out on his conditioning at the start of the year, and Manawa didn't take that well. Which is, you know, if somebody calls you out of shape, you're not going to be happy about it. But is that not the simplest explanation? Uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair. You go first. I think, well, I think it's fair. I think it's conditioning. I think it's throwing program. Uh, I think it's mental now. It's more mental than it is sliders back. Like you can tell, it's breaking more. He's starting it where he wants it to start. It's ending up where was, he wants it to end sli- up. Slider was decent it's, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was good enough, right? He had six yeah. strikeouts, all of them on the slider. Like it's it's turned the corner. I think. Yeah, Brett's fair. I like what his comments are. Those are fair, right? Nobody wants to hear that because it's it's Alec Manoa, and everybody wants to root for him. So do I. But yeah, I, I you could argue that it's a little conditioning for me anyway, and it's a little the throwing program that comes with the conditioning and what you do in the off season, those kind of things. And, you know, we're 11 starts into this thing and it sort of looks as the way it looked in his first start. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I will say this, that um, because of the pitch timer, you don't have, you can't, you can't take those extra four or five seconds to get your breath. Now, if you're not in shape, I guess, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't stomp around. Take a look at how he pitched last year. You can't stomp around the mound anymore. Step off the mound and roll your shoulders and breathe and then go back on the... You, you can't do that. Mm. You got to get the ball and you got to pitch. And that's my concern with him in the pitch timer is the fact that he doesn't have enough time to gather himself, to take that extra breath and get going. And that, yeah, I, I mean, I look, you have the type of start that he has. 
people are going to question your conditioning. Yep. And I'm also going to say this. He would not be the first young guy to have a little bit of success and come to camp. Like he's still figuring a lot of stuff out. It's possibly tried stuff in the offseason that didn't work for him. That does happen with guys. We, I'm sure you've had guys who were a team that tried something new in the offseason. Mm. I remember Vernon Wells. Vernon Wells decided that yoga was going to cure everything one offseason. Yeah. Showed up at camp. First day of spring training, talked about what great shape he was in. He looked in great shape. Pulled a muscle that day. Missed a chunk of time from it. So guys do like to try something new and maybe have an idea and see if something works. And, yeah, sometimes conditioning is a factor. What, what concerns me about that is, okay, I can see if you're on your own. And you have a personal fitness guy. Manoa's got a gym. And, and, and you're trying something and it isn't working. Well, you've been around the Major League training staff now since what? February, March, April, February, Long March, enough. April. Four months, roughly? Yep. yep. So if that was the case, you should be in shape by now. Mm-hmm. Like you, your conditioning should be, you know, better. Yep. That kind of concerns me. If we're still talking about that now on May 26th, then, um, as my friend Mr. Barker would say and would say about so many things, it make you scratch your head. Yeah. If that's still an issue right now. But, yeah, listen, every, every, everything's, everything's got to be in the table with this guy because this is, this, is a, <laughs> this is a precipitous decline. This is a guy who was a Cy Young finalist last year. Yeah, it would add up, you know, the falling off to the first base side a little bit more, the trying to generate a little bit more break, the better extension, not being able to get that, the velocity's down a little bit. At least it was. Maybe it was up a little bit more in his last start than it has been. But, yeah, all the things add up to throwing program conditioning. I'm sure they're trying to figure out everything they can possibly try and figure out to at least get him on track, to allow his team to have a chance yeah, where, in his starts. That, yeah. That's where he's at now. Here, here's it's not about dominate. No, here's that's where we are chance. with Alec Manoa. Right now, you want Alec Manoa to, if he's your fourth best starter, you're happy right now. That's what you want. Yeah. You want him to be your fourth best starter. longer anyway. The biggest concern I know from talking to people in this organization, the biggest concern they have about Alec Manoa is this is the type of thing that maybe needs an offseason to straighten out. And boy, oh boy, it's a long, long time between now and the offseason. Andy in Georgina. I always want to say Georgia, even though I know it's Georgina. Andy. Attention to detail has been John's battle cry since day one of spring training, which has me very curious as to how such a simple detail as mound visits get missed. Now, Kevin, I know you said yesterday there's no feelings in baseball. And no crying either, don't forget. <laughs> but with Manoa's pushbackiness, is it possible that John did it accidentally on purpose to avoid any pushback and confrontation, especially considering Alec was already a little hot and emotional over the last doubt he made? Um, do either of you gentlemen know of something like this ever happening or should I just put my yellow tinfoil hat <laughs> on sneaky PT's next O2 splitter to the moon? <laughs> Thanks. Take care. I'm always, I always love a good conspiracy theory. Boy, I, I would love if that was the case. 
then I would I would think three times more of John Schneider than I do right now. I I mean I just think he had a, I just think he had a brain fart. And and my my issue with this, and I know there are people out there saying, guys, come on. My issue is this. Now I'm gonna get going. You know where this is going. There are so many people in that dugout mm. doing so many things, or in some cases doing nothing, but there are so many people in that dugout. Surely to God, somebody must have realized what was happening. And, and this is the thing to me that makes it even worse. And I had this pointed out to me by somebody else. John walked off, started it was It wasn't his players. It wasn't one of the players who got, hey, uh, Skip, uh, <clears throat> it's a second visit. It was the umpire who came up to him and said, John, you do realize this is your second visit. So not only did you have guys in the dugout, like Don Mattingly's the bench coach. Now, Don Mattingly had this happen to him when he was a manager as well. Sure. But that's one of the things the bench coach does. Yeah. We talked about using basketball as, as, as an example. Mm-hmm. Every basketball team's got a coach whose job is to keep track of timeouts. And to me, it's the bench coach Yeah, that has to go, John, Yeah, you know, you've yeah, already made it, one. This is me. I, I think it was more about him yelling at Frazier, and he was having a decent start. And John wanted to run out there and say whatever he was going to say to him about that situation. Like, hey, cool, cool down. Like, it's, you know, if, if we, you'd have been the Alec Manoa of last year, maybe. Uh, now, it's no excuse that he didn't know how many times he'd been out there already. There's here's no what, excuse here's what I'm going to say about but that, that. But that's sort of, for me anyway. Why wouldn't you have the catcher do it? Why wouldn't you have the catcher do it? I, maybe. I, I, again, I, I, it, I think it, it's, it, I, th- I think they're begging with Alec Manoa. It's, it's sort I think it was the last time, uh, he had a, a start against the Yankees, and he's doing really well. And he pulled him. Uh, I think he pulled him a little too soon. He's bottom of the order coming up next. Should have left him out, and the Blue Jays lost. I'd had conversations with him. I don't think he's he's cares if I tell. I had conversations with him. He said if I had to do over with, I'd have ran him back out there. But the reason why I didn't is because he's gotten off to a really slow start, and I wanted him to feel good about himself. Yeah. And that's why I took him out. So, yeah, there's – there's situations there, there that is there is situations, but there is a lot of. I'm, I'm with you. There's there, no there is excuse no for excuse. That to for, there's like ten or twelve coaches in there, and I'm sure not everybody's doing something. Not, like, no. I mean, let's be honest. Let's just let's not lie about it. So maybe somebody's in charge of making sure that the iPad is 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 powered up, that the plug is. I'm sure they got that guy. That the plug is working. Um, there's no. That's, it's just a cu- accumulation of a bunch of everything. But I'm going to tell that you doesn't this: doesn't make it look good, right? Especially uh, and, when you're losing. Well, and I'll tell you this: if John Schneider ends up losing his job, guarantee you that will be the second thing mentioned in every article about it. You think so, huh? Because people will be looking back at that and saying, "Okay, that's that's a sign." I don't think it's going to happen again. I, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a human mistake, but it is literally a mistake that cannot be made, and it suggests, it does, especially yeah. when you've talked about attention to detail, it suggests that not only the players need to pay attention to detail, but some folks in the coaching staff apparently need to pay attention to detail. It's just it's not a good look. It it is it is. There's a little blame to go around for everybody. Is your point? It is inexcusable.
with the start that they've gotten off to. You can blame. You can yeah. throw a little blame to everybody. They're in first place. We'd be looking at that and kind of chuckling. Ah. Yeah, it happened. Ah. It doesn't happen. Ron and Chatham. Ron. I'm just curious. Ross making all these moves and currently it not working out. Do you think that Ross Atkins is the right person to make the corrective decisions that we need? We need bullpen help. It seems like we also need um, some more hitters. I mean, he's got a he's got a long contract left. Um, Does that he, matter anymore? He's the guy. I I I don't know. Um, you would think if they don't make the playoffs, somebody will pay for that. Yes, somebody. Oh, y- yeah, somebody. Somebody you would will. certainly think so. Yeah, that, that's that goes without saying. Yeah, that that absolutely goes. That absolutely goes without saying. Uh, you know, look, we've talked about this lineup, uh, the way it's constructed. That's the GM along with the advisors that he has. I I, I will say this though too. Um, if you are going to criticize Ross Atkins for the lineup. I think you also have to give him credit for signing Bassett. And I I don't know how much of that is Mark or Ross. I, I would tend to think when big money gets involved, it has to at least go through Mark Shapiro, who takes it to the to to the to the board. Uh but you have to at least give him credit. The free agent signings he's made have generally worked out. You say Kikuchi. Not really worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby Yates. I mean, that was a shot in the dark. That that was just that was a bad deal. I mean, he has given out some bad free agent mm-hmm. contracts, but Gosman looks good, but not to, looks good. Not ones that have hamstrung the team. Yeah, I don't think the Jose Barrios deal, that extension, that's not going to hamstring the team. It's not going to hamstring the team at all. Predictability is what he brings. Predictability is what he brings. He's taking the ball. George Springer. I yo know, at at the time. Your window of opportunity began that year. And here you had a chance to acquire a guy with a massive postseason pedigree who fills a position that you had no, I mean, you had nobody in the organization that was going to fill that position. You had nobody in the organization that was going to be a leadoff hitter. Like George Springer was the perfect fit for this team at the time. And you had to offer him a little more money and more years to come to Toronto. But I want to remind you of something. Because in addition to signing George Springer, we thought Michael Brantley was joining the Blue Jays as well. And this is what I, this is maybe an issue that I have with Ross, and I've talked about it a bit now. They never were able to offset having Michael Brantley fall through on them. Mm-hmm. That's the guy they needed in that lineup last year to make that lineup better. He would have helped. He would have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've made this point about this year. This lineup to me looks incomplete, which suggests to me that some, whether it was a free agent signing or a deal, something happened where it, it didn't come to, to a conclusion for the Blue Jays. And I, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I'm not in any of these discussions or anything like that. But I, I do think that, you know, in the hunt for somebody to blame, you also have to look at the good things that have been done. You know, yeah. last year, I'll tell you, 
they don't make the playoffs last year without Adam Simber and Trevor Richards on nope. the team. They don't. Mm-mm. Those moves are Ross Atkins moves. Now, talk about Rowdy Teleza look nice now. I, I get all that. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, they don't make the playoffs last year without those moves. Uh, so, this offseason, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, I, I mean, we've talked about, boy, to be nice to have a run producer like him in the lineup. He's really not doing that much for Seattle this year, I don't think, is he? He was on somebody's list of disappointing hitters that I just saw. We're just Guriel Jr.'s Taron is having a great year. Yep. But hands up those of you out there and be honest who thought that was going to happen. And if your hands up, you're lying. You knew you weren't going to, you didn't expect that. What, that he would get off to a hot start? Yeah. Yeah, you could see that. He's a good hitter. He's not, he's not hitting that. He's not hitting that many home runs, Kevin. No, he's not. I'm sorry. No, he's not. He's not. Mm. He's not. You don't see that. No one would have seen that. Um, and, of course, and then you get into to the defense. So, I don't know. Um, I, I'm with Kevin, though. I mean, somebody, this team doesn't make the playoffs. There will be changes. They, there were changes last year because they had a horrible postseason series against Seattle. If they don't get to the postseason this year, there will be changes because ownership sunk a lot of money into that ballpark. Yep. And there's a real, there's a consumer play here for ownership as well, in addition to what's going on in the field. So, yeah, there, there will be, there will absolutely be jobs at stake. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Now, jobs in season, again, I don't know. I'm not a fan of firing coaches in season. Yeah, I I, I, I'm not. But I don't know. Have we reached a time where, quote, unquote, something has to be done? Not for me. Typically, Memorial Day is when, and I was just, before we came on, reading an article Mike Elias of the Orioles uh-huh. saying that really up to this point, you know, we've kind of, we've been focused on the draft and we've been talking about some things, but it's, he said, we're still like a couple of months away from actually getting, you know, I think most, I think most teams are like that. I think most teams are focused on the draft right now. And, um, but Memorial day is a, is a Memorial day in the United States is kind of a, and Jeff Passan mentioned, it's kind of a checkpoint where teams take a look at where they are and what they may need going forward. And so I, I, I still think at this time you're more likely to see some sort of move made to address the lineup. I don't pretend to know what that move is. Yeah. And, and yeah, maybe it's possible a coach. Uh, who do coach we blame for here. quality of depth? Thomas Hatches of the world. Like, who, who do we blame for that? That, that, I, that mean, I think, for if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, they really don't have any, right? Knock on wood that something would ever got, happen to, got, the, to, here, the, here's the, to the got, couple of pitchers that they really do are I mean, really that, good and again, have really me, good that's, years. That's on, the, that's on the GM. That's on the people who sign those free agents who are supposed to provide you depth. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the Jays do have a lot of depth in the minors at the lower levels. They've got some relief pitchers at AAA who – might help, but that's not the issue right now. The issue right now is this lineup can't hit, and they don't have or isn't hitting with runners in scoring position, and they don't have a guy that you can come up, toss in the lineup, and just kind of change the look or bring some energy. Yeah. All the stuff Who we talked about. Who gets the big hit the all the time? At least early. That's what they're missing. Yeah. 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 And, and, this, this yeah. early in the season, this is just me. I have a tough time when your best players is not being your best players pointing the finger. Who are you pointing the finger yeah, to? I, like George Springer got off to a slow start. Vladdy's not getting a big-time hit. He's having a, a good year. He's not having the great year that we all thought he would have. Alejandro Kirk doesn't look like a great hitter now, for whatever reason that is. Matt Chapman's taking a step back. Like, there's some 
there's the Dalton Var show look lost early looks better mm-hmm. now. Like there's some people that you really were counting on. Brandon Bell didn't show up till like two weeks ago for the season. Like there's some, there's a lot of, you know, guys in your lineup that I, occasionally you would think all get hot at the same time. Maybe this team and this, this, this uh, record that they have would look a little bit different, but I just don't know who you point the finger at. Me, me personally, at least this early in the season, I'm pointing the finger at the player. Mm. Players yeah. that want to have the they, they go up and have the at bat. John from North York. Hey, John. Hey, John from North York. Uh, ever since uh, Barker changed the music, <sighs> that's when they went south. Just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. I take it. No, we well, can change it back. Well, I kind of like. Know, the music. We may have to take it under advisement. Yeah. Maybe we need. Maybe we should have. A meeting, a closed door meeting with everybody to discuss it. Yeah, and we can I don't, don't want to be that guy. You. I don't want to be the guy that messes it up, messes the season up for the Blue Jays because of that song. Would it be up to me to call the meeting? Well, you are the leader, or the oldest. I'm the Matt Chapman of the group. I uh, get to be the spokesman. I think so. What if I don't want to be the spokesman? You don't have a choice. John Schneider's manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He joins us in the next hour. Dan Hayes is a terrific reporter with The Athletic, covers the Twins. We'll talk about the Twinkies. The Jays have three games against them starting tonight. Kevin Gossman on the mound. It's Blair and Barker for Friday on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this is probably predictable. Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager suspended for tonight's game and fined for, quote, recent conduct towards umpires. Uh, That doesn't include his most recent, or it includes his most recent uh, ejection. But... um, Didn't he get tossed the first inning? His first inning. He got tossed... Four out of the last ten games or something? Well, he got... He got tossed... uh, on when he got tossed last night for arguing balls and strikes in the middle of the third inning. Third inning. He got tr- he got tossed in the first inning a couple of games ago for a, a rules interpretation. Uh, of course, you said you know the, the the whole situation in in Toronto as well. I mean, Aaron Aaron um, Aaron Boone does three he, times he in does, the last ten he, games. He does take up for his team. I guess three what, times in the what last that, ten games. Is that what that means? I think it does. You think it helps? It doesn't did, help. Did you hear? Did you hear the way Judge was talking when he got tossed about the, you know, the fish eye? Yeah, thing except and, I don't believe he didn't that. Like it. I don't believe that. He's like, go away. I got this. Yeah, I accept that's BS. What? But um, yeah, no, I, I believe Aaron. The, the, I mean, the Yankees are playing better, aren't they? Although they, uh, I, the Orioles, a, the Orioles 
So you're saying that John got tossed three times out of the next ten games? I think I just think that's I think that's Aaron Boone. I, I think that's I Aaron too. Boone. You know, it, since he's come in, since he's been a manager, you think back to that back and forth with Kevin Cash. Um, you know, the Yankees. I think Aaron. I think Aaron Boone kind of realizes that that's something the Yankees have lacked. I'm going to think back to when they got Josh Donaldson. We had Susan Waldman on. We've had a lot of other people. We had a lot of other people on at that time. And they said one of the reasons they wanted to get Josh Donaldson in is because they thought the Yankees were kind of, I mean, they were a little kind of quiet. They're, they weren't edgy enough. They, you know, they, they weren't sort of didn't throw their weight around, and the thinking was that Josh Donaldson would come in. and The Rays are the bullies. The Yankees yeah. weren't. That's what they were. But I think maybe that's part of this, is the Yankees yeah. kind of, and Aaron, Aaron Boone thinks that he has to kind of be that guy. Because when you do, you look at that team. Um, I mean, Anthony Rizzo is a bit of a, could be a bit of a hothead. He likes to talk. But Aaron Judge isn't, Aaron Judge isn't a guy who's going to throw things around. Huh. They really don't have that guy on the team. Uh, and and so maybe Aaron Boone f- figures that he has to play that's a lot, that role. That's a lot of times getting tossed, though. That is a lot. So, so you almost got to be. It's overkill. Like, it's sometimes you, you think, okay, really? Here we go again. I, we, but it's also, I think, reflective of the fact that you're the New York Yankees and you're looking up and the Rays are in front of you and, ah, the Orioles are in front of you too, and the Orioles have beaten you recently uh, too. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. Like you know, if you think John Schneider doesn't feel great right now, looking up and seeing all those teams above him, I guarantee you that Aaron Aaron Boone isn't much happier looking up at the Rays and looking up at the Orioles. Like, the Orioles are teams the Yankees used to beat for fun. Yeah, it's a great point. So anyhow, no I think Aaron it's funny. Tonight. I think it's funny. Uh, other news uh, of interest in the AL East, Dylan Tate is staying on the IL for now. So mm. um, keep waiting for him to uh, keep waiting for him to return. Yeah. But uh, he is on the IL right now. And um, the Orioles are still, I mean, they're, 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 they're two, they're two pitchers, starting pitchers away from being, from making a legit run at that thing. Like a, uh, yep. a legit run. It's 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 sort of hard to take them serious. Now I know their record. You should be, and they're in well, second place. You take place. them serious. But <laughs> they, they, if they got two really good pitchers, huh. like with the offense that they have, the couple of guys at the back end of the bullpen, the way they play defense up the middle, the catcher that they have that they seem to love and does everything offensively, defensively, being the captain of the team, they love their manager. You got two dudes that can give you a six-plus every night. Uh-oh. As we mentioned, the uh, Jays are taking on the Twins tonight in the first of a three-game series. Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Jays. Louis Varland for the Twins. The Twins have released their lineup, and Carlos Correa is in the lineup. We talked to uh, uh, Thad Levine yesterday, and he said that he was going to be a game-time decision, so mm-hmm. Carlos Correa is there. Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Dan, thanks, thanks so much for joining us today uh any any shock or any surprise that carlos correa is uh is in the lineup and what are what are the twins saying about his health status right now yeah 
Yeah, no, honestly, and thanks for having me on, guys. Um, no, I, like, hey, when I woke up this morning, I thought maybe surgery was, you know, like removing the left foot was on the table <laughs> at this point. So, um, you know, it, it's something where they, you know, anytime a player mentions plantar fasciitis, they, it jumps on your radar a little bit, right? Like you're, you're alert to the fact that this could be something long-term. Um, he's been optimistic throughout most of the week, even though uh, he had mentioned it. It actually was really hurting a lot on Tuesday morning when they uh, when he returned. He he did it on Monday night. He doubled and uh, he said he stepped weird off of the bag at first and and he could feel it and like it got worse progressively throughout the game. And so you're you're thinking maybe this is something that could have landed him on the IL. I mean, I really wouldn't have been shocked if today they told us that he was going to be an IL stint and. Instead, they've been pleasantly surprised. I still think they're surprised that he didn't take tonight off. Um, but, you know, it, like Rocco Baldelli was saying to us during his manager session, it's sort of different for every guy. And there are levels of pain tolerance and manageability. And uh, clearly he's gotten to this point where after, you know, three days off, essentially, he uh, he feels comfortable getting back in there. And that's, that's a big sigh of relief for them uh, just because, Right now, they're not in a spot where they could handle losing a shortstop. Um, they, you know, organizationally, it would be a very difficult time here if, if that was the case. And Royce Lewis will be eligible to come off the 60-day IL. He's their, you know, second-best prospect, and he's at Triple uh, A, tearing it up. And but he's also coming off the second ACL. He's not eligible until May 29th. So they'd sort of be in this little limbo for three days without if, if Correa wasn't playable. So. You know, they're very happy with what things are going the way it's gone this last couple of days. Dan, they got the, the Twins are two games above 500. Obviously, as you know, uh, Sonny Gray's been really good. Joe Ryan's been really good. How serious should I take the Twinkies? Uh, honestly, they should be about eight games above 500 right oh. now. Their starting pitching's been excellent. Their offense has been inconsistent. They've had a lot of injuries. I think there are 11 guys currently on the IL right now. Um, sort of the same thing that they had at the le- end of last year. But their pitching's really been that good, where they've probably been in 95% of all the games they've played. And over the last, you know, 20 or so games, the bullpen's blown like nine of them. Um, they've had some issues there, and that part of it's because Caleb Silbar went down. He was their fireman, where they just bring him in in the seventh inning with guys on and get out of it. They have not had as good of uh, luck in those situations lately. And he's getting closer. He threw a second bullpen today, but they're it's sort of been patchwork to get the the late guys. But the potential is here. I mean, it, you know, it's look. This is a terrible division. There's no question about that. And the Twins are sort of coasting right now. Although Detroit's within two of them, but this should be a much better team than they have been. And they've underperformed. And I, I think they're a good team, but I think you know they just haven't played up to that level yet. And Carlos Correa has been a big part of that. You look at his offensive numbers. He has not hit so far this year. Um, they need him. They they signed him to a 200 million dollar deal for. A reason, and that was to be the guy that he was in, in August and September last year. You look at what he was in September, it's one of the best months of his entire career. And uh, that was in a walk here. And I, I, they need that guy to resurface. Um, they're confident it will. But until then, I you know, it could very well be a lot of the same the way it's been so far. Two games over 500. But, you know, they have played a tougher portion of their schedule so far. I think they're around fifth or sixth in uh, strength of schedule. So they, they have played a tough run, and they've come out looking okay. But, you know, again, they should be much better. Now, I know from lo- looking at the uh, – I mean, the stats will tell you that the Minnesota Twins generally don't steal a lot of bases. I think they're 27th in baseball. But 
the box score will tell you that what they've stolen 17 bases this month, which, you know, yeah. only seven more teams have done that. Is that, and, and it, I mean, for the blue Jays, I mean, that's got to raise red flags all over the place because teams running them like it's a, like it's a freaking track meet all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, are we going to see this become a bigger part of the twins game? It's trending that way. You know, the first 22 games, I think they had one stolen base. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they've had this stretch here. And Willie Castro, I, I think it's a function of the, the personnel that they've had to play more. Willie Castro, uh, former Detroit Tigers shortstop and everyday guy, has played a utility role. And right now he's playing a little bit of center field, a little shortstop, a little second, both corner. I mean, he's played everywhere but pitcher and first base so far this season uh, and, and catcher. Like, we, we may get to see – or no, I'm sorry – Everywhere but catcher in first base. He's even pitched as a in a blowout loss. But um, who knows? We may see him be at all nine positions before the year is out. Uh, he's brought the speed element. Michael Taylor has been quick. Uh, I think Castro has seven stolen bases and leads the team. But Byron Buxton is healthy. Even though he's not playing center field and they're limiting him to DH, that's really working for him. It's reduced his workload, and he's playing almost every day right now. And, you know, he's got six stolen bases. I think all of them have come in the last – at least four or five of them have come in the last two weeks. He feels great, and he's showing it. So I think those three guys playing a lot lately has really kind of turned it up, and, and that's why we're seeing it. And it's added an element that they need because their offense has been stagnant at times, and you got to do some different things when that's going on, especially with the way Correa's hit. And so I don't think it's going to go away. And when matchups are favorable to them and they know it and the weather is good, they do take advantage. So it wouldn't shock me if we see them Look, I don't think they're ever going to get above 20th. They only have three guys that can run. But at the same time, you know, it's definitely something that they've added a little bit more recently. Dan, Bailey Ober pitches on Sunday. He's 6'9". He doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't strike out a ton of dudes. He doesn't give up homers. He throws 91. How does he get people out? He's been throwing a little bit better than that, like 92, 93. But he changed his eye levels. And his off-speed has definitely improved. And, you know, look. He reminds me of tall Chris Young with stuff. Uh, you know, like the fastball is a little bit better than Chris Young's was. And we, when I covered Chris Young with the Padres, we called it the invisible, right? It's coming from that plane that you don't see a lot of guys throw from. And he's always been accurate. Look at his numbers back to the minors. He's always had a great strikeout to walk, even if the strikeouts were limited. He's just gotten better with age. And he's definitely a guy that, as long as the health is there, can stick and be a really good number four in their rotation. That's that's the thing that's encouraging. This is a team that uh, Tyler Malley already had season-ending Tommy John surgery. Uh, Kenta Maeda was coming off of Tommy John. When you lose 40% of your rotation in the first 50 games, that's usually not a good sign. But Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan have been so dominant and electric for the, the top three spots there. Ober's filled in so nicely that Louis Varlin comes in, and you know he's a, he grew up across the river in St. Paul here. And, Local kid, not a lot of hype as a draft pick or a prospect even, but he's got, uh, metrically speaking, the best stuff of anybody on this rotation. He's quietly their number five and really looked good and made some, some strides with development. And, you know, I mean, the rotation has been by far the soundest part of this team so far, and it's why they are where they are. No, it's, it's been really nice seeing Byron Buxton stay in the field. I think he's got, what, he's, he's, he's reached base 23, 24 straight games. Uh, you know, how important is he to, is a healthy Byron Buxton to what this, this team needs to do? And, and 
you know, I understand that health is sometimes a combination. It's largely a combination of luck and conditioning. But has he changed anything at all, uh, you know, to, to try to stay healthy? Has he changed his off-season regimen or his in-season regimen? Yeah, he's done everything. And, and look, you're right. I mean, he is a dude, right? There, there's only so many of those guys on the field where it's just a game-changing type of player, and he is that guy. They're, they're dealing with it in a little bit of a way right now that, I mean, in a perfect world, he's a two-way guy because he is such an electric center fielder, easily a top three center fielder defensively in baseball when he's out there and right. But the thing is, is that they've seen it. I mean, the most games he's played in his career, in 2017, he played, I think, 140. But since then, the highest he's played is 92. And they just basically have come to this point where they're, they have to say, look, load management's a good thing for you. And you mean more to us by being in the lineup. And I think he's really come around on that. They, they traded for Michael Taylor in January. I think that's alleviated a ton of the pressure because if you're talking about a center fielder that can make a difference the way Byron can, Michael Taylor is one of those guys. And so he's not worried about the fact that he can't be in center field because there's someone doing the work that he can and is capable of. That, that, that Carlos Correa being in his ear about, you know, making sure that he's available and how much that means to the team as opposed to, him playing for four days, tweaking something, missing two, coming back for one, missing two more. You know, they went through that last year as he dealt with his knee injury. And so I, I think there's a lot of maturity on his part, and he's been absolutely willing to do it, and they're benefiting because there's just sometimes where you're having that guy in the lineup, even if he's not feeling his best, just the presence of Byron Buxton, potentially a 40-home run guy. You know, he, he hit 28 in 92 games last year. If you look at his slug from 2019 forward, it's just so incredible. It's, it's propped him up and made him a, a great statistical player. But just the threat of him in that lineup, even when he's not feeling great, means a lot. I think it gets other guys' pitches, and he knows that. And, and so I, I think he's kind of come around to it and, and been willing to be the DH every day. And nobody's saying this is a thing for the rest of his career. I think they want to see how this keeps going. There was talk about when it, the weather got warmer. You know, that's going to be a better chance for him. I think they're kind of sitting here going, look, he means so much to us right now, and he feels good, and he's played almost every day that we got to keep going with what's working. And I, So I, I would be surprised if we saw him in center field anytime soon. And that's a great thing as long as he stays healthy and keeps running the bases and doing what he does because it's, it's electric. Dan, what would be a good year for Joey Gallo? Uh, 30 home runs, 40 home runs, somewhere in that range. Plays good defense and average around two, 210, somewhere around that, I think. And I think that's in the cards for him. Uh, he did some things with them, with their hitting coaches. They got back to base stuff from his success, stuff that he had gotten far away from. And he likes it here. He loves the, the environment. He likes hitting at this ballpark. I think being like the fourth or fifth best player on the team, he loves that too. Um, he's very comfortable, and you can tell. And, you know, with that being the case, I think, you know, he can get back to being – we're talking about a guy from 20, 2017 to 2021 who was a three-and-a-half win player every year. He's a pretty good player. And a guy who hit close to 40 home runs in all four of those seasons. Uh, and then he went to New York, and it, it fell apart. And it just didn't recover in Dodger Stadium. But he's good, he's healthy, and he, uh, mentally he's in a good spot right now. And that's a – a good thing for the twins. Yep. Dan, we're going to let you run. Yeah. Really appreciate Great you stuff. doing this, man. Great stuff. Thank you for this. Thanks, Dan. Yeah.
Yeah, guys. My hey, pleasure. See you, buddy. See you. Take care. It's Dan Hayes, Twins reporter with The Athletic. Dan's covered a ton of teams. He covered the Padres. I believe he covered the White Sox as well. Mm-hmm. Um, guy that I think I'm kind of looking forward to tonight, and you know where I probably know where I'm going with this, but uh, uh, Yuan Duran, the yep. dude is throwing four pitches. What has he got? Eight pitches over 104 miles an hour or something like that. Yep. Uh, but it's interesting doing some you know, looking at him. You, you see this guy, this reliever, you go 104, pretty good. Sure. But then you look at his, his other stuff. Mm-hmm. Hitters are two for 22 off his splitter. Yeah. He's given up four hits this year off his curve. Like in addition to, in addition to the, the velo. Okay. Well, what would that tell you? Just by reading those two stats, what's that tell you? That, that most hitters are cheating to get the velocity. He throws that, those two pitches, he, whether he's, you know, around the zone with those mm-hmm. two pitches or not, because he throws 104, you got to respect that. You're out in front. You swing over top of the secondary pitches. That's why he's not giving up a ton of hits on those. You don't always have to locate it. We, we talk about that all the time. Even, even with guys who are struggling, right? Alec Manoa, use the sinker to both sides of the plate, elevate the four seamer, keep it around the zone. Mm-hmm. That way you can get away with a bad slider. That's why you say those kind of things. And then you add 104 to the mix. Now, it's just one of those things where you got to get the starter, right? If you're facing the Twinkies, it sounds like the starters are keeping them in it, trying to give the lineup a chance, sort of like what the Blue Jays starters are doing. Well, it's who's going to who's going to have a better right a game plan against their starter? That's the that's the question in these funny, games. Funny you mentioned that because, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do want to throw this out here because, again, we've had so much talk about Alec Manoa uh, in the past, uh, you know, in the past 24 hours. This is from the Minnesota Twins game notes. Uh, Twin starters have averaged 5.6 innings per outing, which is up from under five in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, that is good enough for fifth in baseball. You know who's number one? Blue Jays. Blue Jays. 290 innings out of their starters. The White Sox, 285 innings out of their starters. Mm-hmm. Seattle, 283 and two-thirds. Texas, 282 and a third. Minnesota, mm-hmm. 280 and a third. So I, I just, I wanted to throw that out there because one of the things we have talked about a great deal is the importance of starters innings and how that can be, if not a determinant to success in the postseason, it can be a major contributor because mm-hmm. by the time you get to the postseason, if your bullpen's, healthier yeah. it stands to reason or rested it stands to reason you can abuse them <laughs> yeah, Alex Anthopoulos said oh, no once question. you get to the playoffs it's about abusing people and absolutely. trying to win up to that point you're monitoring it but that just kind of rein and I, I I just want to mention that because I think sometimes it needs to be said that this rotation is good enough to go to the playoffs no question. it is you know, it mm-hmm. stuff wise, I don't know if you'd call it an elite rotation. I'm looking at ERA starting rotations, not in the top five batting average against not in the top five Whiff percentage, not in the top five strikeouts. It's third in baseball in terms of strikeouts. So I'm not saying it's not necessarily a dominant starting rotation, mm-hmm. but it has been good enough for this team to not be in last place in the East. Oh, no question. What, what that does is hide the guys out of your pen. You don't want to throw all the time. Yeah. 
That's that's sort of what that does, right? You'd rather hand it off to your highest leverage guys than your fourth or fifth guy, which you don't always know what you're going to get, right? That's what that starting. You'd rather see your starter go in the seventh or sixth inning than you would that fourth or fifth guy. So that's what that does. And yeah, but that just also tells you that you need other parts of your game yeah. to keep up. But it's just something that I feel like mentioning because it's while all this is going on. And you're trying to, you're trying to look at something to, to kind of hang on to. That, to me, if you're a Blue Jays fan, is something you can hang on to. The fact that the rotation is giving you a chance to win, and it's doing that with a fifth starter who looks like a fifth starter. Yep. It's doing that with the guy that was your opening day starter being a mess. Like there's. If you're looking for the the silver lining, and I think on on May 26th, if you're a baseball fan, if you follow a team, you are allowed to look for a silver lining. Sure. That, to me, is the silver lining. That the guts of the, of, of the starting rotation is good enough to go to the postseason. And... Yeah, this is what kind of makes it frustrating. If you had said at the start of the year to me that the Jays rotation would have the most innings thrown and that the team would be healthy because, well, now Danny Jansen's hurt, but by and large, yeah. this has been a, it's been one of the healthier teams in baseball. Sure has. The everyday guys anyway. I mean, that just, it, in, in some ways, it's also, it contributes to the frustration because you know you know when you take those things into account that the lineup is the reason that this team is where it is. It, it, it's yeah. it, more than anything. It's where it is. It's it's the reason that this team is where it is. Uh, and where it is is in the last place in the American League East going into a three-game series against the Minnesota Twins. It was interesting hearing Dan talk about Byron Buxton because mm-hmm. I think people forget three years ago, he was the, he was a, I mean, he is a dude now, but three years ago, he was a dude. Yeah. He was the guy. Well, it's about, he was on, on the cover field. of magazines. Any way you can. Right. That, yeah. that, that's sort of, and how do you do that? That's the question. Do you DH him all the time? That's, that's the question. It makes your team better if he's not DHing all the time. Right. Because defensively in center, he's it's superior. elite. Like it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's Kiermaier. Plus something. Yes. It really is. It is. Like no, it really no is. Question. Plus it is. whatever that plus is. Yeah. It's plus something. So yeah, the Twinkies are in, they're intriguing. Like I uh, two games above five hundred, that doesn't that give you a lot of you know, you want to tune in and watch them. But I think they're you talk about starting pitching, it's been really good. The back end of their bullpen's been okay. Mm-hmm. Their their lineup needs to step up and do some things. Some guys in their lineup, but uh, there's also health is a big day, thing for them. There's also another reason I mentioned Byron Buxton because uh, he's hitting 302 with nine doubles, eight homers, 19 ribbies. He has a 1.02 OPS in 26 career games against the Rays. Uh, that batting average is his best against NAL club, and that OPS against the Jays ranks fourth among active hitters. Now, this is interesting. If I said to you. Three active hitters with the best OPS against the Blue Jays. Judge. 
and he's not in. Shohei Otani, mm. Alex Bregman, Mike Trout, Byron Buxton. Mm. Judge has got a lot of at bats, though. Yeah, a lot of at bats. Yeah, yeah, and of course, and 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 he plays in the same division. But anyhow, yeah. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on Byron Buxton. Got to make good pitches tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. John Schneider is the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He does a weekly appearance on our show. We talked to him a little earlier today. And, uh, well, we'll play it for you next. John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, joins us. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet, and Sportsnet 360. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That'll be the first pitch tonight as the Jays open a three-game series against the Minnesota Twins. Kevin Gossman against Louis Barland. Uh, 2-10 Eastern will be the game time on Saturday and Sunday. Then the Jays are home to take on the Milwaukee Brewers. Hmm. The team that drafted Kevin Barker. Yeah. Third round. You still have any, you still have any folks in that team? Yeah, there isn't, no. isn't there, yeah, isn't there a coach, you know, that we, um, no. Okay. All the coaches I know are, are gone already. Oh, I thought that. Okay. Anyhow. Um, well, uh, Danny Jansen was placed on the IL by the Blue Jays uh, before tonight's game. Tyler Heineman has been recalled. He was actually with the team in Tampa uh, on the taxi squad. He's a veteran catcher. He's a terrific defensive catcher who is yep. a he terrific defensive catcher. He will help the team as a terrific defensive catcher. Oh, man. You, you can. Yes, he's a terrific defensive catcher. Um, but uh, it's pretty clear that Alejandro Kirk will uh, will get the will get most of the load mm-hmm. going forward, at least until Danny uh, Danny Jansen recovers from his groin injury. Uh, we had a chance to talk to John Schneider a little earlier today, and of course, this was on the heels of uh, the Blue Jays having a, a a team meeting yesterday, a meeting called by the players and. Um, well, it was interesting getting John's take on that, and and and, and quite frankly, uh, hearing John be pretty clear as to what the plans are for Alec Manoa going forward. I mean, he didn't mince words, and well, we'll play the interview now. John, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. Look, uh, we've heard in the past, you know, teams have had meetings. Uh, sometimes I think people make a big, bigger deal out of it than needs to be made. But what I'm interested in is what is the manager's first step after a meeting has been called? You know, the players have had their meeting. You guys are on the plane. You're on the charter. You're, you're in Minneapolis. Now, what's your step today? Does, it, does the follow-up from you change at all after a meeting? Yeah. For one, I think um, I think it does get... Uh, blown out of proportion a little bit you know when you're talking about the same group of guys that are together for seven months these things are going to come up um, probably multiple times 
but I think the next step is just to continue to hold them accountable to whatever, you know, they discussed, you know, and it's not anything different than what we talked about as a group in spring training, you know, between players and staff. So you have to hold them accountable to that and you have to make sure that the things that need to get better, um, they are getting done starting today. John, did you like hearing it whenever you heard that the players were having a players-only meeting? Did you, as a manager, as a coaching staff, do you like hearing that? Like, sort of, they're taking accountability, you know, without you having to go in the middle of the room, raise your hand, and go, "Hey, dudes, we we're not real good. Let's figure it out." Yeah, I mean, I think you've you've been part of that, Kev. You know, playing. I think you know it's players drive this whole thing. You know, they drive the culture, they drive the accountability, they they live it right. And I think you know we're there to support it. We're there to uh, make sure that those things are being carried out. And, you know, when players are talking about things that need to be better amongst themselves, I think that always holds more weight than it's, you know, if it's coming from me or, or another staff member. So it's it's part of the long season, man. I mean, it's obviously a tough stretch for us right now, and it's uh, it's nice that when, you know, players are understanding and seeing the same things we're seeing, it's good when it comes from them, uh, from, you know, teammate to teammate as opposed to staff to, to player. John, is this is this team as good as you thought it was going to be going into the season? Yeah, no doubt. It's, you know, I think that when we're when we're playing well, we're really good. I do think we are as good as we thought we were gonna you know, be at the beginning of the year. It's it's uh, it's May, and it's a uh, and it's a tough. It's been a tough stretch for us, and it can turn just as quick. And you look up, and the exact opposite has happened. That's kind of how baseball works. You've seen it around the league with other teams already. Um, going through ups and downs. So absolutely still think this is the same team we thought it was and and very confident that that's going to start showing. Uh, Manoa, 11 starts into the season. What do you do with him, John? You continue to work. You know, you continue to find ways to get him in the zone more consistently. You know, it's obviously, it's been a, it's been a, a, a rough start for him. You know, I guess we're past the part where we can say start. It's been a rough go for him uh, with flashes of good. So he's got to understand that he's got to continue to put the work in and this game about results right everyone knows that so uh, he's got to show that his next time out he can't be you know getting ahead 0-2 and then all of a sudden the bats back to 2-3-2 you know you run out of pitches in the third inning like you did last night so it's uh it's gonna just be continued work with Pete and uh getting his own more consistently uh, there are people who are going to suggest that he gets sent down to the minors now obviously in order to do that you need somebody who can replace him take his turn in the rotation is what would have to happen for that to even be on the table john i'm not sure i mean it hasn't been on the table i don't think it will be on the table so it's uh it's not something we've we've act- actively discussed um at all at this point so i'm not even i'm don't really have anything more to say about that on alec that's fair uh uh, John, we you know we saw we saw a slower pace yesterday. I, I guess it's slower, right? You know, he would get the sign uh, with about nine seconds left. He, he would hold it till one, two, three seconds, somewhere in that range. He would throw the ball. Is that a big deal, or is that Alec? Should we stop talking about the the pace? I am. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, right? The the pitch timer, the pitch clock, the you know him and Kirky, the mix back and forth, right? Seems to me like he's getting a sign. It's just not mechanically or between the ears going where he wants. To go, but was pace a, an issue yesterday in your mind? Okay, I mean, I, I think the pace overall, we'd like for him to pick it 
up a little bit. Um, I thought we saw that the one time that Janel caught him um, last turn, but it's, uh, I think when you get into a little bit of a rhythm, you know, you're just a little bit crisper and, you know, the clock has been different for him, I think, because he did work particularly slow last year. So I think, you know, still finding a middle ground of, okay, am I going too slow? Am I going too fast? You know, things like that. So it's, I mean, I think me personally, and I think us collectively, we would like to see a little bit more, a little bit more quickness in between and a little bit more um, urgency with each pitch. Yeah, now he he's given up twelve stolen bases on the year. He gave up five yesterday. He's not the only guy, right? They're, they're, they seem to be opposing teams like to run on you guys for for whatever reason. It, how do how do you control the running game? Is it is it something that you can point the finger at that says, man, we we really got to pay attention, right? We know you're struggling on a mound to to figure out whatever it is you're trying to figure out. Is it one specific thing that you see that? You know, you hold the ball longer. You're quicker to the plate. You 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 worry. You actually pay attention. Is there something that you're seeing with that? Yeah, I think a little bit of everything you just said. I you know, yesterday was just it was pretty easy to see what Tampa was doing, where they were just banking on the same cadence every time and the same hold every time, and not you know just kind of one one thousand, two one thousand, go. Um, the disengagement rule does make it you know a little bit easier to get to get a little bit more aggressive, but. I think that we're overall kind of just falling into into a pretty predictable rhythm on the mound. And that's, you know, you look up and you go, all right, seven stolen bases, and they scored more runs than they had hits yesterday. And that's just, that can't happen, you know. And, and it, it's holding runners as part of your game as a pitcher, just like building your position, just like, you know, all those little things, man. And it's just, they're kind of, they kind of turn into unnecessary runs. And against a good team, you know, it's just not going to cut it. So, it's varying your times. It is not being afraid to throw over uh, to first base or second base multiple times or even a third time, you know, but it's just being aware of what your tempo is and making adjustments when you do see what they're doing. John, when you look at the way this division is shaking up right now, uh, or I'm sorry, shaping up right now, and given what the schedule holds for you guys, you don't play the Rays and Yankees again till later in the year. Do you have to guard against the feeling that it might be slipping away already or because it's a day-to-day thing for the staff and the players is that something that you know we may focus on fans may focus on but the players it's just you know we got to beat Minnesota today and that's kind of what we have to do right yeah by no means are we are we thinking like that like okay it's slipping away whether it's anything um today is how to beat how to beat minnesota how to win this series and and that's and that's basically it it's you know yeah it's a tough division it's tough league it's you know right the american league it's tough big leagues are hard you know what i mean there's a lot of good teams and i think that if you just focus your and yeah brutally honest it hasn't gone well against the al east for us right in this particular part of the season doesn't mean it won't go differently when we do play those teams again. You know, it's just, it's such a daily um, grind. It's like you score 21, 20 runs one night and, and one that, you know, it's just baseball is just so different each day. All you can really focus on is the game and the series that you're prepping for. And I think that we kind of, when we're there every day, <clears throat> excuse me, we kind of put, you know, the season into buckets, right? So it's like, you're in this crappy little bucket right now. You want to get out of it starting tonight and start this, hopefully a good stretch. And then that's kind of how you identify the season, but it's really day to day series to series. And then you can, then you can start kind of bucketing in, into, you know, a couple of weeks at a time. 
I want to start this question by saying I've realized that hitting a baseball is, is super hard. Trust me. I, I tried it. It's, it's, it's very hard. Matt, Matt Chapman, April 372, May he's hitting the buck 98. John, you seen anything differently with his approach at the plate? Um, I'm not seeing anything different with the approach. No, I think it's, you know, he's still hitting the ball hard. I think there's been some bad luck involved. And I think that there's been, um, you know, ways that pitchers have decided to, to start pitching him. So, you know, approach, no, it's been, it's been pretty consistent. Mechanics have been pretty consistent. I think that, you know, Matty showed in April that when he's really, really good, you know, he is letting the ball travel. He's letting the ball get deep. He's using the whole field. And, um, like anyone, when you go through a little bit of a, a colder stretch, I think you try to, you know, hump up and do a little bit too much. And as long as he's backing that ball up and using the other the other side of the field, I think we're going to see, you know, I'm not saying the exact same results we saw in April, but we'll see, you know, the, the real type of hitter that he can be. I, I guess you could throw Matt in this mix too. Uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of your your guys' games, especially at the on the offensive side, and it seems to me like opposing pitchers like to throw the elevated fastball. It is is now? Correct me if I'm wrong. If if I'm seeing something that I'm that I'm probably, you know, speaking out of turn here, not seeing, but it just seems like the elevated fastball. I don't want to say one through nine, but there's quite a few guys in your lineup that sometimes have some issues just getting on top of that thing and hitting it hard somewhere. Is is that an easy thing to fix, you know, team-wise? Can can you make an adjustment on an elevated fastball? Say lay off it. I don't want to swing at it. I don't like swinging at it. I, I have trouble hitting it. Can you do that, or is it something that, you know, one through nine collectively has to figure out how to get on top of it? No, I think you you conquer it by not swinging at it. And yeah. it's it it basically comes down to approach. I mean, there's there's so many stat numbers that are out there to where, you know, ball thrown in this area with this spin and this vertical break and your swing plane matches up. All, I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, it comes down to don't swing at it. You know, I think if you hitters, you know, you need to understand where you're hitting the ball well, where you're not. Pitchers obviously have the exact same information, and then from that you formulate a plan and an approach to try to to try to beat that guy that night. So. Looking back, even at the New York series at home, they were just living with elevated heaters, you know, starters, relievers. And our job as a, as a group, individually and collectively as an offensive group, is to say, okay, I am setting my sights lower. And I am, I am just attacking something lower than this specific point and go from there. And you got to be disciplined to it and you got to just do it over and over and over again. And that's the, just the constant back and forth between pitcher and hitter. So nothing mechanical. To me, it's all approach. You got to push pitchers down in the zone. Game of adjustments. Last one before we let you go. Jimmy Garcia had some struggles here lately. ERA of almost seven in May. You know, I, I look at him, and, and I tell this to Jeff all the time on our show. Looks to me like he has too many pitches. Five pitches, John's a lot for a reliever, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with a guy that wants to maintain velocity on, say, all five of them. It's a lot to ask. Say he can only pick three, right? Four-seamer, you got a curveball, you got a slider maybe tries that is there is there any talk about you know maybe adjust it simplify it pick your favorite three go out there and let it eat is the the best you can and and give us the best outing you can any thoughts on that yeah i think that's a that's a good thought i think when our when when you're simplifying an approach especially with the reliever and who's been a late inning reliever for us you know i think it is easier to get back into a little bit of a normal rhythm for him so um, those conversations are ongoing. Pitch usage is always, you know, such a a big topic amongst what we talk about every day in every series. And I think, yeah, that would definitely help um, Jimmy to where it's just a little bit more 
consistent with a couple and not relying on so many. But when he's when he's on with those, you know, and then it makes, I think it makes it a little bit easier to locate, you know, uh, just a couple of those pitches, keeping hitters in between. Um, we've all seen how good he can be for us. So we're going to need him to, to be just as good. You know, he's a big part of our bullpen. And, uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head there, Kev. It's a, it's a, it's a great uh, place to start is just trying to simplify actually how you're deploying your pitches. John, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Uh, have a great series in uh, Minneapolis. We'll look forward to talking to you again in Toronto. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, Be good, well. Right. Good luck. Travel good safely. Good luck, guys. That's Jay's manager, John Schneider, uh, in Minneapolis, where the Jays are uh, starting a three-game series against the Twins tonight. Uh, interesting conversation about Jimmy Garcia, something I know that you've talked about, and we've wondered about Jimmy Garcia Terrific world baseball classic, at least in terms of his velo. Came back to spring training, just looking really good. Yeah. Early in the year, same thing. Mm-hmm. Saw some velo, especially when he'd had some time off. But I know it's something that the Jays have talked about. John admitted that, and you've mentioned it as well. He he does have five pitches. He's not a starter. Um why would it be so hard to get him to essentially pick his three best pitches and go with those? Because, I mean, that would seem to be just the most efficient use of your of yeah. your stuff. Well, the easy the easy answer to that would be that it's worked in the past, right? Right. Whenever he it needs, has. whenever he needs, it. yeah, it has. Like he'll have some hiccups. Like he's got an ERA of almost seven in May. Obviously, it has not been working. Like, you know, he needs to make some adjustments. That's why I asked John the question, and he answered it by saying, yeah, the conversation has been had and needs to be had some more to get maximum velocity out of all of his pitches, right? That's what it is. He needs to throw really hard for all the secondary pitches to be good. When it's 94-95, it's not hard enough. Like, he needs the the extra little gear to be able to throw the curveball and the slider. For me, those are the two secondary pitches. Throw the other two out. Be a four-seam guy. Don't throw a sinker. Be a four-seam guy, a slider guy, and a curveball guy. Throw a curveball to a lefty, a slider to a righty, and you can sprinkle around the four-seamer and do it with a greater velocity. You do that, you got a better chance of getting good hitters out in, say, the seventh and the eighth inning. They're going to need him. That's the way you can say it, you know, and, and say that here comes Nate Pearson. Not for me. Like, I I think for them to go and make a run at this thing, Jimmy Garcia has to make a little tweak. It's not a big tweak, right? Just eliminate some of them. Throw I don't know why you brought Nate Pearson up all of a sudden. Well, because that's sort of the, the, the next like guy him. in line. The next guy in line, right? Is, You've got a thing about Nate uh, Pearson. Sort of like the, you know, it's the 3-2 slider to a leadoff, to a, to a guy hitting in front of Aaron Judge down five runs. You're going to hold that make, against make him forever? Make a ton of sense. Uh, you know, it's... Is the, is the slider good enough? Is the curveball good enough? I'll ask you this. This is the way I'll put it. If all three of your highest leverage guys are all raring and ready to go, and he's the fourth guy and he is one too, would you pick him out of the other three? Jordan Romano yes. was sort of – you would pick him I out of the Jimmy other – I had Jimmy Garcia right now? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. That'll tell you. If if all if all if all three of them are available and he picks Nate Pearson in the eighth inning up a run to the meat of the order, then you got your answer. Well, I mean, the first choice for me would be Eric Swanson, but I would I would pick Nate Pearson before 
um, before Jimmy Garcia. I think they want to for Nate Pearson to, to have a little run because of how hard he throws. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I wouldn't at this point. Hell, you're in last place. Let's see. Let's see. Or you could flip that on the end and say, let's see is over. No. Like, yeah, let, let's yeah, let's see. When, when are you going to find out, Kevin, next year? Well, I think they sort of know what it is now, right? Yeah. If, if, they, if they thought that you're gonna find out it next had year? more, they'd, they'd throw him in the eighth and ninth inning with a one-run lead. I mean, I think, you can, I think you can pretty much do whatever you want right now. You're not going to win the division. You can do whatever you want right now. Hmm. I don't think anybody, other than Jordan Romano, I don't think anybody's earned necessarily, and, and Trevor Richards, nobody's earned the right to not have their role change. I don't think. Hey, what's uh, John was pretty clear about Alec Manoa, and probably no surprise, Alec Manoa. People are keep saying, well, go down to AAA. It'll work wonders like it did for Roy Halladay. People forget that Roy Halladay went down at the start of the year. To, and and he didn't go to, he didn't go to AAA. He went down 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 basically to single A so they could rebuild him. And Alec Manoa has much more of a track record than Roy Halladay. So just stop trying to draw comparisons between Halladay and Alec Manoa in terms of going down to the minors. Same with other with other guys who went down to the minors. Uh, simple fact of the matter is there's nobody else here. Nope. Mitch White, I understand, we're led to believe has started another rehab assignment. Uh, Yeehaw. But there's the Jays do have some bullpen arms that are of interest in AAA, but there's there's no other there's no other starter there. I think what you just hope is you hope you continue to get what you're getting from Gosman and uh and 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 Bassett and you hope that Barrios is this is what you're getting from him now and then you know what? Now you got to treat Manoa the way you were thinking about Barrios going into the year. Yeah. Now you look at Manoa and say, "Hey, if I can get five from you, mm-hmm. that's I'll I'll take that. I'll work around it." And that to me is a simple way to view it. Alec Manoa on May twenty sixth is what Jose Barrios was coming out of spring training. Can't completely trust him. You have no choice but to trust him to a certain degree. Sure. And you say Kikuchi gives you what he gives you. Four games to twenty, you hit a lot. That's what you do. If you if you, you, if you start if you start hitting a lot, and you hope that some help. of the you hope that some of the underlying numbers start manifesting themselves in wins and losses. You hope that some of the you know the the, the numbers that Vladdy has, uh, you hope that those somehow translate into a, into runs being driven in and and and, and translate into wins for the Blue Jays. And yeah, it's this is a team that was built to score runs and play good defense and the defense is there for the most part but the run scoring has been an issue very quickly louis varlin tonight what should uh the jays be looking for from him yeah fastball again i think it it comes off of that team meeting or or players only meeting sometimes out of those you try too hard you know they're, they're basically pointing the finger at the person who's struggling and normally that guy goes up and tries too hard. Stay within yourself. I know it sounds baseball 101 and everybody rolls their eyes. It's true. It's a fact. They're human beings. They want to try and help their team win a baseball game. They know where they're at in the standings. Simplify it. He's got a, a four-seamer cutter and a slider against the righty. He ch- he throws out the slider, throws the change up against lefties. Stay within yourself. He's given up seven homers. Five of those are off the fastball. Simplify that thing. Look right down the middle. And don't try too hard. You, you sort of have to simplify it that much. It's just go up, look right down the middle until you get to two strikes. When you get to two strikes, battle. That's all you can do. If you don't get a hit, 
erase it as soon as you touch first base, come back and get them the next time. They do that because they do have talent. One through most of nine, they'll have success and they'll win some baseball games and they'll make this, they'll make a run at this thing. Be a good time to turn the ship around starting tonight. How about that? 810 is the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Jays opening a three-game series against the Twins. We've got it on the TV set right now. The weather looks absolutely spectacular. There are a ton of Canadians down there cheering for the Blue Jays. Should be quite a night tonight. Let's hope that the Jays can uh, send all those folks from Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba home happy. That's it for us. We'll chat again Monday.